Blog Talk Radio. Well, top of the morning to you. I hope you're having just as a phenomenal day as I am. I tell you what, it has been just a remarkable weekend. Do you ever, I don't know if you can relate with me on this next statement, but because we have a very large and extended family, we enjoy time with our kids together immensely. But any time that we can we can take time just to hang with one or, or some of our children and, and get that undivided quality time, I tell you what, we, Paige and I, strive for that. And this weekend, we both are being able to do that. I had a wonderful weekend with Tessa, uh, my 17-year-old baby girl, and my two-year-old granddaughter, Ashton. We just had fun. Uh, we've been hanging out, doing some stuff together. And, uh, you, you know, you can't go wrong anytime you have that quality. Paige on her, is on her way to see Dalton and Felicia, Dylan, and new baby Gabe. So she's out there having a blast on the road herself. Uh, they are somewhere, I think, in Virginia Beach, uh, she actually sent me a picture just a few minutes ago of an incredible view as she ate breakfast on the balcony overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, it, it's fun. As much traveling as I do, uh, we have a lot of points racked up in a lot of different places from airlines to hotels. And she is just living her dream right now uh, of being able to eat that breakfast overlooking the ocean. Uh, it's phenomenal. Today, we are in Chapter 6. It's actually Principle Number 6. And the reason I bring up the story of what we did is because we've been giving back to our children this weekend in a big way. And we're doing that because that's one of the principles in life. You know, this chapter is titled, It Really Is Better to Give Than Receive. Every book that I read on successful living, whether it's from a, a quote-unquote faith-based Christian author or from a secular, new age, humanistic type of approach, the one major common denominator that is always there is it's better to give than to receive. If you look in business today, some of the, the businesses out there that are classified as socially responsible have leaders that, that are no more faith-based than Adolf Hitler. They, they don't walk a walk living by the principles found in the Bible, but yet they are huge in giving back. The Democratic Party, for that matter, even though I disagree with most of their ideology, are big-time givers to the social causes in which they believe in. I think that we all need to wake up and think about this for a minute. You know, is it better to give than to receive? And is it always about money? Listen to what Chris says. He says, write checks on a regular basis to those you want to bless, not those, you want, not those who owe you. Be generous. If you're thinking of one amount, raise it a bit. They'll be glad now. Now and later. I find that... Powerful, because I believe in giving. Chris goes on, he says, there's two kinds of people in this world who, who allow their abundance to pile up and bring them a false sense of security. 
and those who use their abundance to increase not only the joy in their lives, but the joy in others by being generous. Now, I'm, I can't, there's no way, well, there probably is, I could do some critical thinking and logical deduction and tell you exactly what Chris Wilder meant. But here's what I want to do. I'm going to tell you abundance is far, far greater than money. There's been plenty of times in my life where I've been dead, busted, broke, and I was willing to give to other people. I'll tell you a situation that came up into my life once. Most of of you all have heard horror stories of in-law disagreements. I remember one time my father-in-law and I were in business together. The business fell apart had nothing to do with either one of us. It had to do with the way the economy was and, and things that we did not know about when we launched the business together. But it really, for for several years, it had put a rift between us. We tolerated each other because of the family love that we had for, for his daughter and for his wife and, and all that, his grandkids. But we didn't really associate. And one day he was having to go out of town, and he had a big, big catering event that had come up. And he said, do you mind taking over and, and doing this for me? I said, not at all. Because I'm one that I just really don't hold grudges. It, it's no big deal to me. Their life's too freaking short. And so I said, sure, no problem. He gave me the keys to the to the, the church kitchen where he worked. He worked in the world's second largest uh, Presbyterian church as their chef. And I remember showing up there one night. They were in the middle of finishing up a, a big meal. And I showed up, and it was like cold as ice. I thought, man, this is really freaky. I said hi to everybody, went into the kitchen, had my clipboard to make sure everything was, was there, that we got some stuff out for the next day. Talked to his assistant, who said, well, I'm not going to let you do that. And I said, I don't, I don't understand. Why? And she said, well, you, you're not supposed to be here. Uh, your father-in-law would not let you in this kitchen. He's told us everything about what you did to him in the business. And they called up security and, and maintenance for the church, and they changed all the locks that night. cost them hundreds of dollars in changing the locks, thousands in, in payroll. And first time I've ever been kicked out of a church, it was kind of freaky. We went ahead, and, and I went over to, to the warehouse. We, we went ahead and got the deal. We did the catering event, and... I just didn't really worry about it too much. I just flat blew it off. No big deal to me. My father-in-law got back into town, went over to the church and got ready to set up, found out his keys wouldn't fit. He had to call and say, man, why'd y'all change the locks on the door? And and they told him about how his son-in-law tried to come in and steal all the food out of the freezer while he was gone and sabotage his business again. And, And he was mortified because out of his anger, he had embellished what had truly happened, and they had believed it in such a way that, that it was very embarrassing. I mean, there were several hundred people as they escorted me off the property. But what happened is it didn't bother me because I was living in an area of an abundance. It, it didn't matter what had been said. I understand the frustrations that people go through, and he appreciated that. And we are closer today than ever before. He comes, visits me all the time. It's This is what abundance is. Abundance is being able to give without worrying about what you receive in return. Sometimes people look at abundance as just money. And it's not. Chris says, I believe that the truly successful, those who will change the lives of others and leave a legacy, are those who are generous with their abundance. 
I give more to the people that I serve than I would ever ask in return. When I have a client who's in con- uh, under contract with me, I over-deliver and under-promise. I make sure that I give in a way, and when I know that I can't be given to a client for whatever reason, I won't renew the contract. It's not a matter of them not renewing the contract. I just don't renew it. Because I believe that if you're doing things right, if you're if you're fulfilling what it is you're supposed to be doing, then that's that's what abundance is. I believe my rewards come in in two fashions. One, just based on the law of diminishing returns. The more you give to people, the more that you you actually fulfill what you're supposed to. It, it works positively for you. If you're doing negative, then the law of diminishing returns will work negatively towards you. It, it's just that's the way it is. I believe in the principle that Jesus taught that says treat others the way you want to be treated. That's in almost every major religion. So what do we do? How can we accomplish this? Number one, get over your idea that money will bring you security. Because the majority of people believe that abundance has something to do with financial security, you need to understand it doesn't. I know a lot of dead-busted, broke former multimillionaires. They don't have a pot to piss in today. Period. Think about that. How many people have you seen living the life and in their dead busted broke? Now, I can tell you this, broke is different than being poor, and we can get into that in a little bit. But you've got to get over the idea that money will bring you the security, because it won't. What money does is, is basically one of two things. It either brings out the strength of your character that was there before, or it multiplies and brings out the weaknesses of your character that was there before. Either way, your character is going to shine through. Second, focus on the joy that you can bring to others when you're generous. See, I just, I just love what I do because until I get out in the public eye, do I ever realize how many people that I have been able to encourage and help when they're out there soul-searching, trying to locate a company that they can believe in. Now, they understand that I have no crystal ball, that I can't tell them this company will last forever. What I do my best to do is really lay out all the facts. I try to draw as much of the criticism into my blogs as I can so that they can see both sides of the equation. They don't have to try to hunt and peck and search. We want to show both sides of everything, good companies, bad companies, those in between. We want people to understand, like on the radio shows that we do, what it takes inside of them to succeed. So many times it's not even really up to the company whether you succeed in life or you succeed in business. It's up to what you do with it and how you do it that matters most. So you've got to focus on that joy that you can bring others. See, that at the end of the day is the real key. I believe that when you do it right, as Chris writes here, there are always people in organizations who will benefit from our generosity and who will be overjoyed by it. The third thing is make giving a planned or methodical, methodical task. In other words, it needs to be part of your life. Not a temporary lifestyle. Okay, I'll do it until till down the road after I become, you know, rich and after I have my abundance, then I can just quit. No, 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 no. Constantly be giving. 
Dalton, my 21-year-old, 22-year-old now, is amazing at this. Of all of my kids, he was the first to really get it. I remember at 14, or I guess it was at, yeah, it was at 14, I think. might have been 16. The first organization we created was the Gulf Coast Disaster Relief Team. It was after the, the hurricanes had hit, and he said, Dad, I just want to put something together. We got the camper. We got a cooker. You know, I got contacts. I want to go and help people. He organized it. We put a team together at a couple of churches and off to Mississippi that we went. A few years later, Operation Guardian Angels was created as he saw a couple Actually, it was a mom and her kids that got burned out of their duplex due to arson. He didn't care about the cause. He just wanted to make sure she had everything. And he rallied, and and companies and businesses and people came together and donated stuff for her, donated cash. It it was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. you got to give. Cassie's that way, my my 16-year-old. Would rather give. See, when you give unconditionally, not just of money, but of your time, of your abundance. And it becomes a methodical task, if you will. It becomes part of your DNA. Now it doesn't feel like a chore. Sadly, some churches, organizations, they they, they want to just hone in on one little part, and that's your money. <laughs> give us your money. Give us your money right now. Give us your money. The Bible demands you give me 10%, or they pull out this little verse that says, Test me, God says, to the Israelites. But see, when I read my Bible, and I really, when I listen to what Jesus had to say about it, he said, Give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. In other words, give the government that which is the government's. Give unto God that which is God's. Neither time does he say just money. The people ask him about the money, but he says give. See, when I signed on the dotted line and raised my right hand, swearing an oath to my country and to protect the office of the presidency of the United States, no matter who was sitting in that seat, I was giving to my government and to the people of this republic that I serve. When I said, God, I'm going to give to you that which belongs to you, that includes time, energy, money. Not just money in and of itself. This is something that's important because as I've looked at businessmen and women, this is how they see it. They don't just give their money. They get out there and bust their butt. They give it their time and their energy. Orrin Woodward says it's part of giving the firsts. And I like that. Fourth thing is you got to make generosity spontaneous. I do this quite a bit. My, my pastor Eric Parton is phenomenal at it. He'll be, he, we, we may all go out, hang out, and have a bite to eat or something. And he'll pick up the tab, or I'll pick up the tab, or somebody else will. We may be sitting at a restaurant and see somebody that's kind of man. You could just tell that they could use a a break. Sometimes it has nothing to do with money. Sometimes that spontaneous giving is getting your receipt from a waitress or a waiter and writing a little thank you note on the bottom of it. Hey, man, I can see you're a little frazzled today. I just want to say thank you for taking time out, hanging with me, and serving me this morning. You did an awesome job. Two things happen. They see it, which makes them feel better that somebody noticed. And second of all, it goes into the boss, so the boss starts to see 
what's going on. See, giving is not about just cash. Five, understand the principle that you reap what you sow. How many times did we hear that? Boy, you're going to reap what you sow. Man, I heard it all the time. Right about the time my dad's foot hit my freaking butt. But you know, he was right. When I treated people well, people treated me well. You know, even when I was a bounty hunter and a bail bondsman, my clients knew that I was strong and I was firm, but I was also fair. When they ran, they knew I would come after them or one of our people would, but we would treat them fair. In some cases, I'd bomb their butt back out of jail. You got to be strong. You got to be fair. You're going to reap what you sow. I remember one situation, and if any of you know my story, you know I ran around with a bunch of one percenter bikers, those that we used to call biker gangs. And I had to go into a house in in Raytown, Missouri, to get a guy that was a basically he was a pledge. He hadn't become a full patch member with this organization. He'd done some stuff, hoping that they would. They would, you know, make him part of their club. And we got to the to the house where he was at, or supposed to be at, and it became a little of a confrontation. Uh, the two gals that were answering the door because the club had some of them were gone and some of them were crashed weren't going to let us in. So it came down to what could have potentially become a gun battle. It didn't, but guns were definitely drawn on both sides. Long story short, I went into that house. We did a search, looked around, went downstairs, and asleep on the pool table was one of the club members, fully patched. We had a long talk. I explained to him the situation. No disrespect was intended on him or the club. Had I known that that club members were there and not just the girls that we'd have probably have taken a different approach, but I had no clue of that. I saw no bikes on the outside. He respected that. We went on our different ways. Less than 24 hours later, the club turned over the guy that I needed. A couple days later, I went and had coffee with this individual who was downstairs who happened to be an officer in the club, and he thanked me for treating them with respect and understanding their position. See, when you when you reap what you sow, it works in several different areas of your life. You know, I still have friendships today with some people that some people would, would definitely call shady characters. But one thing that I've never done is hold over somebody what their past was. I've got my own colorful past. My family, from clear back... In the 1860s, when we were fighting terrorism from northern aggression, we still have a past. So you got to treat people right, but you got to have that. That you got to understand, you reap what you sow. You treat people bad, it's going to come back to you. You treat people good, it's going to come back to you. You give to the right cause, it's going to come back to you. These are not just biblical principles; it's just the way God made the whole daggum universe. Lastly, and this is probably the biggest key Chris says to successful people, you never allow strings with your generosity. Do not expect anything in return. See, this is the difference between 
between living a life of abundance and being an organized crime. Now, I'm sharing a lot of stories with you today. I grew up in and around organized crime. Well, almost, I mean, literally from the time I was, was two years old, my mom and my dad got together till, well, I actually, I guess that goes back to that because of my uncle. So, you know, from the time I was born un, until sometime in my 20s, late 20s, I ran around either through school, through associations of my dad or my uncles, or through my own relationships that I built in the bail bond business, organized crime members. And every time an organized crime member wanted a favor, there was always a string attached. Hey, Troy, we're going we're gonna to pay you X amount of dollars a month, and when our girls call, you just get them out, period. Now, that one was an easy one because it was just money that was involved. But sometimes there are, are people out there that say, will you just hold on to this briefcase, or will you just hold on to this bag? Don't worry about what's inside of it. Somebody's going to come by and pick it up a little later. Okay, but what happens if I look in it? Well, you don't want to. Well, what happens if the bag gets lost? Probably wouldn't be wise. Oh, well, what happens if I do you this favor? Well, then you can always ask us for a favor down the road, or or sometime down the road we're probably going to ask you for another favor. Oh. When I'd go to a couple of guys that I knew and ask for a favor, you know what they'd say? Troy, we don't have any problem helping you out, man. You've been great to us, but if we do this for you, we're going we're gonna to want something from you in return down the road. We're, we're probably going to want a favor in return. See, when you're a, living a life of abundance, you never ask for anything. My pastor gets frustrated at me because I don't write checks or use my credit card whenever I pay tithes. I read my Bible, and it says you should not brag about what you're doing. I've never deducted it on my tax return. I don't want people to know. God can know. Some people would say, well, that's not right. Well, it is to me because I never want a string attached. See, I found out that there are people that even when you give with no strings attached, they expect that there's a string attached. So anytime you say something, they just say yes to it thinking that, well, that he's going to demand that or he'll stop giving his money or he'll do something. I remember getting in a debate one day with my pastor over an issue, and, and, and he said, you know what, I've looked at the tithe offerings, and you can't, you can't speak into my life that way. Now, it's not going to tell you which pastor it was, but I sat there and I thought, wow, he just validated my concern that he wants to, to debate this based on have I been giving money to the church? And I wrote him back and said, well, actually, I give cash purposely so that this topic is never part of a discussion that I have. Embarrassed without a doubt, but it also shed light on our relationship that even today is stronger than it was in the past. See, when you give and there's no strings attached, you're giving from a heart you truly are given from a point of abundance. There's seven things that you have to give to others if you want to live a successful life. You might want to write these down. Number one, you've got to give your honesty to others. No hidden agendas, just open honesty on how you feel. When I, when I do contracts with my clients, there's a clause in my contracts. 
unlike most companies out there, if I know of any. And what it says is that if it's a fact and I report on it, it's not classified a disparaging comment. Because I believe in open and honest debate at all given times. There should be no censorship. There should be things that shouldn't be brought out publicly until both all the answers are there. I'll agree with that. But there's no reason to censor a debate in an issue. And I believe when you do that, then it's not honest. You're trying to show your agenda, a one-sided approach, a biasness. I had a guy on my blog say, Troy, are you fiduciarily responsible to, to Zeke Rewards? Now, what he really wanted to know is, hey, have they paid you to say what you're saying? My comment back was, I am 100% fiduciary responsible to not only all the companies that I report on, but all of the distributors that read this blog. Then I went on to say, and by the way, I haven't received any money as of the date of this posting from Zeke Rewards. Because I don't know what the future might bring. But I do know right now there is no money. But I also understood where he was coming from. So many times this is what happens. People have been burnt so many times that they get worried. So you've got to give your honesty to others. And sadly, most of the people on my blog never listen to our radio show. See, one of the things about Internet marketing is that you, you actually a, a tackle different segments based on their needs. And our radio shows are based on legitimate business people and individuals who want to grow personally, want to be somebody. They're not just out there looking for a business. It's fun. My new blog's that way. We're going to have a blast with it. The second thing you've got to do is give others your respect. I have a saying that, that is part of my whole DNA. Respect is given. Trust is earned. Nowhere do I see where we're not supposed to respect others. My pappy taught me you respect women, period. Not ladies, women. I have had some ladies that have just cussed me worse than my dad ever could cuss. I didn't treat them any different than I would treat anybody else. You treat everybody with respect. Now, if they do something, to lose that respect, that's their giz, not yours. But you give the respect, but trust is earned. Chris writes this, I believe we should live at a higher standard. We should respect people for simply being you know if you take that to the lowest common denominator god says everyone's created in his image so everyone should be a be, be, be treated with respect they're god's creatures he made them makes sense but even god disciplined or punished depending on the situation those who are disrespectful if they were an enemy they got punished if they were one of his children they got disciplined you can see the difference when you read the Bible. It's all different training we can do. You've got to give others your vulnerability. You know, people, I had actually had a guy on my, on my YouTube channel the other day say, you need to redo this video. You're talking about so much chaos in your family, you and, you and your son traveling, and he'd just gotten out of prison, and you were going to get custody of your grandson. You're talking to a white community. I had to snicker because I really didn't understand what he meant by the white comment. I mean, I think it's pretty clear I'm white. So I wrote back and said, dude, I believe in authenticity 100%. I'm transparent all the time. What you see is what you get. You don't like it, don't watch. This is my life. As for being chaotic, we don't have a chaotic life. Everything's pretty normal to us. Matter of fact, when we see people that are like 
everything's in its place and, and nothing's out of place and all that's weird, then we automatically know they're covering up a chaotic lifestyle. Because this Leave it to Beaver stuff is exactly what it is, fantasy on TV. We want to be real. you got to give people your vulnerability. Can they screw you in it? Can they beat you over the head with it? Absolutely they can. But it doesn't keep you from doing it. Just the name of the game, 100%. Give others your care. Honestly care about people. Give others your passion. Be passionate with people. Give others your experience so that they don't have to live through the same headaches you have. And lastly, before the show comes to an end, give others your help freely. We could not cover everything in this chapter today. It's so powerful. But when you give those things to people, the sky is the limit. We have one more show this week before I head out to North Carolina to Forge tomorrow. Relationships are the core of our existence. This is principle number seven. I believe it wholeheartedly. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. And be back here tomorrow morning with me on RealMentorsRadio.com. Bye now. <laughs>